we're going to be in several passages today, starting with 1 Timothy chapter 6. Um, you know, you can, you can put, hold your Bibles open to there. But I got a statement to make, and the first statement is this. I want us to think about every good thing that we've ever had or received in our life. Every good thing that you've ever had or experienced in your life. And I want you to think about it. And the reason I want you to think about it is because when you think about every good thing that you've had in your life, what you come to realize and what you should realize is that good thing came from somebody else's generosity. That good experience came from someone else's doing. Yes, and you can say, hey, Jonathan, I'm a self-made person. I pulled myself up from my bootstraps, picked myself up off the dirt, made my first sale, made my first investment. But if we honestly think about it, that came because of the generosity of an investor believing in your half-baked idea or dream. That came as a result of your mediocre, mediocre sales pitch because they were feeling generous or they were feeling like they wanted to risk something. In fact, you know, when you look at even your families or your spouse or you know, just look at your wife for a second, for those of you who are married, realize that you're only married to the woman sitting next to you is because in her generosity, she laughed at your corny joke. And that gave you an opportunity for a second date and a third date. And eventually you broke her down enough to say, yes, I'll marry you, right? And, and I mean, for, for, for you women looking at your husbands like, hey, that, that, that's really true, it was my generosity. Just be grateful. <laughs> be grateful that you have girlfriends that take you away from your husband and those corny jokes and give you a night out on the town because it's a generous friend that takes you out and does that for you so your marriage can stay healthy, right? That, that, that's generosity. That's generosity. And, and I mean, for, you, for your kids and your teenagers here, just think there's nothing that you have, nothing that you do that belongs to you. All of that came through your parents. Or, or in the case of my, my daughters, it came from their grandparents, right? It was their generosity that gave you the clothes and the foods and the roo roof over your head. Those things don't belong to you. They came as a result of generosity. And, and you know, I, I want to talk about generosity today because, no, I'm not starting a fundraising campaign, but God calls his people to be generous. And, and this is an area of life that God has been working in my own life, right? He, he's been working on this in my heart because, honestly, generosity doesn't start with money. It, it doesn't start with things. It starts with your heart, Generosity starts with your heart. And how much you give of your heart to a people or a thing causes you to be more or less generous. And so, you know, when you start thinking about Jonathan, like, what, what is God working on? God is working on, well, I don't want to be entangled with your problems. I don't want to give you myself, give you my heart, because you know what that means. Once I start giving my heart to this person's problems, that's going to suck my whole life into it. And a lot of us, we fail to give of ourselves generously because of that same reason. We want to hoard our own sanity. We want to hoard ourselves because there's just not enough of me to go around. But God says otherwise, right? The gospel says otherwise. And so as God calls us to be a people who are generous because he is generous, society and culture tells us shrink back, Hoard more because there are going to be situations and circumstances that scarcity is going to make you just hide. It's going to make you shrink back in fear. And, you know, honestly, scarcity in the last two years has become the normative operating function of our society, right? Not only do we close our wallets, but we close our efforts to love God's people. And we close our time and our energy to say, there's just not enough of me. And it hinders our ability to be a disciple, committed disciple to Jesus. 
That's where we pick up in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. And it goes like this. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, and be ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of which is truly life. You you see, the context of this little passage is the Apostle Paul telling Timothy, who's a brand new teacher, um, this is how you follow Jesus. This is how you follow Jesus and love the people who are following Jesus with you. Right? And, and you know, it, it's, it's great, but what, what it really highlights is that there's a great source of idolatry that distracts us from following Jesus fully. And, and you know, I, I think all of us would agree that sometimes money becomes that idol in our lives because we pursue money and chase money as the most important thing rather than the thing we use to chase and pursue the most important thing. And, and so not much has changed in the last 2,000 years, has it? The conclusion that we're supposed to make from reading this passage is is as follows, right? Our hope should be in God and God alone, right? Nothing else, nothing else. Because God generously blesses us with good things in this life. And we, as the recipients of God's blessings, should be generous in our works and material possessions. Because when we give our life and money away, it frees us to take hold of what matters most. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying, right? And if all of those things are true, then by being generous, right, we're really blessed. So today we're going to talk about how we can be blessed by being generous in God. How we can be blessed by being generous in God, right? And I think all of us would agree that being generous can lead to good blessing. In fact, there's a catharsis that happens in our hearts and souls that leaves us refreshed and renewed when we are generous. And I think, you know, for some of us, when we serve and give, that's the reason we do it, right? We serve and give our energy, time, and money because the blessings that come from that, it leaves us refreshed and renewed, and that blessing from God can't replace anything else in our lives, so we do it. And, and, you know, for those of you who are still like, eh, I, I want to see something more tangible, right? There are three specific blessings from God that we receive in our generosity, and, you know, I'm just going to, you know, read these off. Number one, it's our lives are changed, and, and this comes from Proverbs 11, 25. Um, it says this, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And that simply means that the more generous we are with our money and time and energy, the more blessed and more full our lives will be. The second thing is this, it frees our hearts. It frees our hearts. Being generous frees our hearts. In Matthew chapter 6, 21, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Being generous frees us from obsessing or having to obsess over our lack of, our lack of X, Y, Z, you fill in the blank, right? It it frees us to focus on what matters most. And best of all, generosity, this third blessing, it's an investment into the eternal things of God, right? That's what generosity does. We are blessed by being able to invest in the eternal things of God. So now having said that, you know when you reflect on your own life, you say, hey, but I've been living a little stingy. You know, Pastor Jonathan, you just said you've been living a little stingy. You don't want to give your heart out to people and their needs and their problems, right? And you know what? I started thinking about that and I said, that's a scarcity mindset, 
It's a mindset of scarcity, right? And when this mindset of scarcity develops within us, we start obsessing what we don't have, and fear starts to drive us, right? And whether that lack of or, or that obsession over the lack of, right, the scarcity is seeing what's possible or the lack of skills that we have or the time that we have, the lack of money, the lack of experience, the lack of connections, what we're really doing when we live in this mindset of scarcity is we are fearing, we're being fearful, which is not faithful, right? And, and then the blessings that we really wanted in life, we start to lose it all because it starts to slip because we can't even see the blessings that are being offered to us that are being given to us right and I think all of us the, the most tangible way we, we notice is the whole TP scarcity of 2020 you all remember that you know when, when everyone ran out of toilet paper right like so you know you would go down to the grocery store or Costco or Sam's Club or wherever and there was no toilet paper because for some reason you needed a garage full or a basement full of toilet paper that you'll never use Right? And every time, it still continues, right? It's still there because every time you're at the market, you know, oh, I got to pick up some toilet paper. <laughs> you have boxes and boxes of it. Give it away, right? And I mean, the scarcity thing is a real thing because it slowly creeps into our lives, right? And, and that mindset, it causes us to place our hope in the wrong thing. And, and it, we, we don't even recognize it. We, we become arrogant of it. And we go, oh, I got toilet paper today. That's great, right? And, and so the, this mentality of scarcity, it keeps seeing keeps us from seeing God for who he really is which is infinitely generous and if that is our mindset we're going to fail to see the work of God we're going to fail to see how he's working in our lives we're going to fail to see what he's doing and we're going to miss out on the good things that he created for us to enjoy which is true blessing so how do we live generously the apostle Paul tells Timothy right that the rich are to do good to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. And I see some of our wheels already turning. We're not rich, Jonathan. But the definition of rich, and I want you to look this up, and you can see this as the Apostle Paul writes it in chapter 6. He says, guess what, folks? If you have a house to live in, whether it's yours or you rent it, and you have food on your table, whether you're dieting or not, you're rich. This is what he tells Timothy. You are rich if you have a place to put your head at night and something to eat. That's the definition, right? And I would say that none of us in this country, or none of us in this room, none of us watching online are facing the loss of food, right? And we definitely can find a place to, to sleep, right? And so if that's the definition of rich, then we don't actually lack. We don't lack anything. We, we, we have nothing that we lack in. And if we do lack in something, we can find someone who can help us out and be generous and give it to us. Or get it to us, right? And so th th this, is, this is so simple. This is so simple. We need to be generous. Because that's what a disciple of Jesus does. Because he is the example of generosity. And so the first way we can live generously is by being rich in good works. And so this example comes right from Jesus Christ. Because Jesus poured out his entire life for you and me. We... We're at enmity with God, right? We were enemies of God. We have sin that kept us separated from God. But God says, you know what? I'm going to give you my one and only child. I'm going to give you my son, and my son is going to lay everything he has down for you. And he does so on the cross. And he does that, and when he does that, he says, you know what? You were so far from God. You didn't even like me. You didn't even love me. But now, in faith, not even in your works, but in faith, I'm going to receive you as my child. You are going to inherit the kingdom of God. You're going to inherit paradise with me. How generous is that? 
How generous is that? And so if Jesus Christ is the example of generosity of works, then we look at him and we say, wow, he poured out his life for us. What can we not give in our time and our energy? Right? But the temptation in our culture is that we, we need to have more, right? Because scarcity, it actually makes capitalism turn, doesn't it? Right? That, that's supply chain economics, right? And so if we fail to actually believe that we have this more in Christ, then we miss out completely. We miss out to the good works of faith that God is calling us to as his disciples, right? Because we're so busy sowing and working on things in the wrong places and the wrong people. And, and so th- this becomes a problem. The Apostle Paul to the church of Galatia says this um, in chapter 6 of Galatians. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not be weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially those who belong to the family believers. We reap what we sow, right? If the scarcity mindset is what's dictating how you do everything in life, then you're doing it all wrong. Life is broken for you. It's going to continue to break, right? And so when we say we sow to the flesh to please our flesh, what's actually saying is we're wasting our time because, you know what, this system is broken and it will fail. And Paul says recognize that. Recognize that because it does. But if we look to God and see how he generously provides and sow to where God is sowing, where God is working, just like our students did during Hope Week, then what we're going to understand and see is that good works is as simple as loving somebody else and meeting them wherever they are and just being there, present with them. And all that time and energy that you spent obsessing over what you don't have to help a person or love a person, it all disappears. Because God's already given it to you. God's already given it to you. Uh, This past week, I I had the privilege of um, spending my week with our middle school students during Hope Week, right? So I was part of the team that Tavin was on, um, you know, at Farmington Hills and at Hamtramck. And, you know, let me tell you something, man. God God did such an amazing work in me, right? He, He did an amazing work in me. And he did an amazing work because, you know what, on Sunday afternoon when we told them, hey, you're gonna be doing flip camp, these kids, they just graduated from flip camp last year. They were like, oh, flip camp, right? And I, I mean, they're like, ew, why, why would we be leading little kids, you know, not realizing themselves that this was them like a year ago? And they're like, ew, like, you know, it's just like we don't want to do that. And, and then we're like, well, after that, we're going to do some more fun stuff. We're, we're going to go out on the street in Hamtramck, and, you know, we're going to do some outreach. You know, we're going to run a soccer tournament. They were like, the, the fear in their minds, right? And you could, see, you could see the scarcity mindset in some of them because, you know what, if you look at a meeting and if you go around and if you live life long enough, you know the questions that people ask really show you what they believe and think. And so some of the questions, because there are some things called stupid questions, it was just like, how can you believe that about yourself, right? And they were fearing things that haven't even happened yet. They, they were fearing things that weren't even real situations and they're, they're asking questions about these potential situations, you're like, where did you even come up with that, <laughs> right? How, how did your parents mess you up that you came up with that question? And, and so, you know, you, you start thinking and you're like, whoa, this is the wrong thing. But, but like with all things in faith, practice makes perfect, right? And so this week, and what, what God showed me through these kids was, you know what, life 
Faith may start with fear, fear of rejection, fear of alienation, fear of not having authority, fear full of life. And I know you, you relate to this because every time you start something new, every time you're pushed beyond your limit, you, you question your ability and you question whether God will see you through, um, we, we start backing off. But when practice, when you practice generosity, by the end of the week, you should have seen these middle school kids. They were giving themselves fully over to these little kids that they mocked in the beginning of the week, that they said, ew, to at the beginning of the week right? I mean, the gospel was preached, right? Like, and, you know, the pastors didn't have to do it. The staff on church didn't have to do it. It was through these middle school students showing little kids what love looks like, serving them with their energy, with their time. How amazing is that? And then when they got to Hamtramck, you know, you know I'm, I'm here. I'm just like, you know what? These are middle school students. And I was told, hey, you know, just temper your expectations, Jonathan. You can't expect the world from them. They're, they're 12 and 13. They're not adults. And I said, fine. And I started believing that. And my scarcity, my own mindset started saying, you know what? Less is okay. Less is okay. But God flipped that on his head and said, Jonathan, just watch. Just watch what I'm going to do. And these students, we, we, we sent them block by block knocking on doors, houses, talking with strangers, right? Strangers that may not even speak the same language as them. And by the end of the week, they were sharing the gospel, right? They were sharing the gospel to, to a people group who, who, who don't really want that. Who, who does that? Like, where do you get the courage to do that, right? Because it starts with, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to give you a flyer. And then says, well, how are you doing? Well, what's your name? And they came back, folks, they came back with phone numbers, Right? They came back with names and phone numbers. Right, This is amazing because God blesses those who are generous because they were willing to be vulnerable. They were willing to risk heartache. They were willing to give it all. And I, 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 just, I want all of us and our church family to experience this type of blessing, what God does not only for us but to other people through our generosity. Did you know the only reason we actually do announcements here at this church is so that we can connect you with opportunities to serve, to give generously of your time and your energy and your money? That's the only reason we do it, right? I mean, there's really nothing that we can't communicate via email otherwise. But, you know, just just so we all clear, I'm going to give you five opportunities where you can give generously of your time and of your energy, right? Here's number one. Um, Back to school backpacks. Can we put that up on the screen or is it still broken? Oh, it's working. All right. Um, you know, we, we've already identified the 200 kids getting these backpacks. We, we've already done it, right? They, they've been identified, and we're working with our partner at CHN um, to do it, to distribute them. But these are not random kids. These are not random kids. These are God's kids, right? These are God's kids who have real needs. And who knows? It may be through your generosity, even though you may not know them. It may be through your generosity that God blesses them so that they can learn the, the proper arithmetic or the proper order of PEMDAS these days, right? Whatever that is, right? Um, that they may do the math and maybe one day come up with the cure of cancer. I, I don't know, right? But that's a possibility, right? We don't know how God will use that, but God will definitely bless it, right? Um, here's the second thing, walk for life, right? This is, this is supporting and helping um, our partner, CareNet. Um, they're doing a walkathon, right, in the Detroit Zoo. Yes, I've been saying it's not only a good time to introduce your kids to the zoo, but to wear, raise awareness. Did you know yesterday we, we actually had a party, right? We had first birthday party for some of the clients that got, come to um, this pregnancy resource center. And, you know, many of us don't know, but the, the pregnancy resource center, the purpose of it is to give people options. Because some people, some people 
they come, and pregnancy is a crisis. It's an emergency. They don't know what their options are. They don't know what to do, and they're panicking, full-out crisis mode, and they come here, and they're given options. Not, not just women, right? Not just women and questions about their bodies, but men who cause the pregnancy also, right, because it takes two to tango. They're given options too, right? And this is, this is such an important work that we forget about that. It's not just women and children. It's also men, it's families, right? And this is, they're giving options and they're giving resources away. And this is one opportunity for you to give generously. And th- this doesn't take a lot. You show up to the zoo, you sign up and show up to the zoo and you walk, right? Some of us need that exercise for our own health, right? That's a blessing. Um, but th- this is a good thing. Hey, you, we, we've been plugging this all year, kids ministry and student ministry. And, and you all heard how messed up my kid is going to be because I'm trying to scare her into sleeping at night, right? With wolves and all. Our next generation, they're, they're, they're in trouble, right? If any of you parents are like me, we're all in trouble, right? And so we need someone who knows the gospel and willing to invest in the messed up lives of our kids. Because I, I'm going to tell you, right, in a few years, yeah, we're, we're going to be in trouble, Right? We, we are. And we need your investment, whether it's one hour a week, two hours a week. But, you know, in, in all seriousness, kids need to know that adults other than their parents are rooting for them, cheering for them, listening to them. Because they're not listening to their parents. You all know this. But they're listening to you. They're listening to the volunteers. Right? You can do this. Time and energy. Give it generously. Um, this opportunity, it, it came up at, at, at in Hamtramck through one of our partners, One Humanity. Um, you know, we, we've worked with them, a group of students worked with them this week, um, building out a space, building out a space to do fitness for women, right? So, you know, th- this is a, a Muslim-majority neighborhood, and, you know, when they come over to this country as immigrants and refugees, everything's changed. It goes from a walking society to a vehicle society, right? They, they don't get the same nutrition that they had growing up, so fitness goes on the back burner. But this is an opportunity for you women who, you know, love fitness, love nutrition, love exercise, is to give these women a start and say, hey, um, this is how we're going to love you, to teach them ways to be healthy because they need it, right? They need it. And that, that's an opportunity that's going to open up for you in September. And I, I want you, especially if this is you, if this is where you live and thrive, take that opportunity to jump in, right? Uh, another opportunity is ESL, because you need to know English to get by in this country, don't you? You need to know English to get a job. You need English to advocate for yourself. You need to know how to read. And so ESL is another opportunity that's, that's coming up in Hamtramck. This is really teaching someone how to fish, right? That, that, this is a great investment, right? They, they can advocate for themselves if you teach them to, right? This is life-giving. Um, but I, I want to share also that, yes, I just gave you five opportunities. But th- this is not supposed to limit you. Right? These opportunities that we give at church, they're not supposed to limit you and say, well, I checked it off because church said so. There are opportunities every single day to do good work for people. And many of you, you do that without knowing one person at a time, one family at a time, one neighbor at a time, going them and meeting their needs, spending your time with them, spending your energy with them. Go on, keep doing it, because the more you're generous, the more faithful you are with that, the more blessings you'll receive. Here's a second way that we're, we're blessed by God in our generosity. We share what we have. We share what we have. And this is exactly about money and possessions, right? I was just talking about good works until this time. But now we're going to talk about money and possessions, right? Because some of us, we ascribe value to material things and having more, even if that more has no purpose, 
right? I, I, my, my daughter, Clara, she just started crawling, right? She just started crawling, and she has the propensity to crawl towards her older sister's toys, right? Because they're shiny, they, they light up, and they make sounds, right? And so now, you know, she, she, she's a speed demon, just crawling all, all over the place. She's getting into things, right? And so one night, you know, I, I was like, you know what, Michelle, I love you. Have the night off. You can go run errands at Target or something, right? Um, which is not really a day off, but it's off, right? Like, so I got two kids, and despite her best judgment, she was like, all right, my husband, he got this, right? And so, you know, they're both independent. That's wonderful. I'm going to teach them independence. So Kate's playing off in one area of the room, and, you know, I put Clara down because guess what? I love my wife, and I'm going to do some chores. I got to get stuff done, right? And so now I'm doing stuff, you know, in the kitchen, like cleaning up or something, and all of a sudden I hear, no! Right? Yelling. And I, I'm running over, and I'm just like, what happened? What happened? And Kate's like, Clara has this piece of scrap paper. She has a piece of scrap paper. And I'm just like, what is it? She's like, I, I cut a triangle in a piece of paper, but she, she can't have it. And, and so it's like, why? It's, it's garbage. No, it's not garbage. It, it's my special triangle. Right? And you're just like, what? Well, where, where did this come from? And so, but we do, this as, we do this as adults too. We ascribe value to things that are worthless. Hey, hey, case in point, how many of us have gone to the shop because there was a clearance sale and bought that nice non-dishwasher safe piece of serving china, right? And, you know, you bought it because it's nice to have. It looks beautiful. But you don't actually invite anyone to your house to serve anybody. Right? So it's collecting dust up there in the cabinet, and you're just like, huh, it's time for a bigger house because I can't fit all the junk that I don't ever use. Right? Like, we're, we're just sitting there, and so we ascribe value to things that are not even valuable to us. And so, you know, we, we we're taught, you know, the more you have, the better it is, right? Because one day we're, we're going to be on Antique Roadshow, and it's going to be worth a million dollars, right? But really, that was made in a factory, Right? It was made in a factory, come on, right? And so, you know, we, we're obsessed with our lack, so we have to go get, but we get the wrong thing, right? It, we, we don't think we have enough money because we're, we're often buying these wrong things, ascribing value to things that we don't actually need or want, right? And so, you know, we, we think we'll never make the money, we'll never make it enough, we'll never make it again, and so we don't give to church, we don't give to charities, we don't give to your, even our own families. And, and you know, you know what, what's worst of all, right? We don't even give when we go out to restaurants to tip, right? Because we're, we're afraid of losing. We're afraid of losing. Um, but you know what? We, we, we know that it's hard to give away stuff every time we part with it. And the Apostle Paul knew that too. And so he tells the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 16, he says this. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of the week, every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And if you're having a hard time having a generous mindset with your things and your possessions, then it's time to practice, right? You set a time, you set a place, you set a value, and you put it aside. Step one, that's it, right? I mean, I just saved you financial wellness classes, right? You, you can put that aside, right? To do something good, right? To be generous with. And, you know, the, the attitude, this mindset of generosity, it's not under compulsion, right? It's not calculating scarcity, but it's saying, you know what? I can give this away, even if it costs me something, because I know I'm giving it away. 
I know this is for a certain time. And so in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul takes it further in chapter 9, and he says this in verse 6 and 7, and he says this, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's a generous mindset, right? When we choose to be generous financially, we go big and we do it cheerfully, right? That economics of generosity is so, so clear, right? The more generous you are, the more you will get back from your generosity. And when we do that, the blessings we receive from God, it leaves us beyond thankful, right? I know a lot of us, we're saving money or spending money for something superfluous in our lives, Right? Whether it's a new car, a lavish vacation, a fancy dinner, right? a streaming service that you'd never turn on, a new or bigger home that you don't really need if you threw away your stuff. right? Um, instead, let, let, let's take that and be generous towards God. Right? Attach your money to, to people and things where God is working and see how God blesses that. Uh, and this is a challenge, right? This is a challenge. And we're not even saying, you know what, sacrifice a lot. I just want you to start with the superfluous stuff in your life. How you invest in the eternal things matters. Our faith in Jesus, it's going to always lead us to live generously, to live not under the mindset of scarcity, but with the heart and mind and focus that we have more than enough, that we will never lack because our Father in heaven does provide everything we need. How, how will you respond to this irrational generosity that our Father gives us? Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us be generous. We, we want the same mind as you to be infinitely generous because God, that is what you are to us, to the people around us. You richly provide everything we need to enjoy in this life this life you created for us. But God, some of us, we, we, we live in the disillusionment of scarcity. And we allow those fears, those idols, those distractions to, to be the controlling narrative of our lives. Lord, remove them so we can be free. Free to give all of ourselves away. Free to give all of our stuff away for you. God, we, we want to live the blessed life of generosity. We want it to be a mark in our discipleship, in following you, so that you get the glory, so that the world will know that even if there's a reason to be afraid of the lack, that our Heavenly Father will provide and that he will provide generously. Lord, we thank you for that blessing. Lord, help us be generous. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.